Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Dr. Pam Peek, an internationally renowned physician, scientist, and expert in the fields of nutrition, metabolism, stress, and fitness. She's a writer, a speaker, and appears frequently on major media networks. She was here for a fascinating chat back on episode 69, and I'm pleased to welcome her back. Hi, Dr. Peek. Hey, I'm really happy to be back. It's been, what, 80? I, I don't do math well. It's been a long time. It's been way too long. What have, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, what we're going to talk about today, you know, I dig the whole field of addiction. I think it's kind of cool um, as it applies to just about everything in life. But uh, there's a special kind of addiction that I'm really kind of getting into. Um, you know, as you know um, from our first episode, I uh, talked about food and addiction, which is kind of, you know, amazing. And now we know food addiction exists. And uh, one of the things I kind of tripped on when I was looking at food and addiction was the fact that you don't even have to leave your home to scope out things like food porn, uh, to be able to order any kind of food you want to, to be able to just be fooded out. You could just sit there and just do it. How? Through digital technology. And so I thought to myself, wow, I wonder if there's a cross addiction going on here. Raise your hand. Yes. And indeed, we found it. And that's one of the reasons why I thought it'd be really cool to talk about that, Brett. So, so you're talking about tech addiction, and you're talking about it initially as a, a conduit for other types of addiction, but then it becomes its own problem? Oh, yeah. And because, you see, what, what typically happens is everyone, um, you know, as they, as they sort of get into the addicted place... Um, ends up going through the exactly the same changes in their brain. So whether it's sex addiction, food addiction, whatever it may be, internet addiction, you know, there's now a um, an actual definition for this by the American Psychiatric Association, um, and that's you know any online related compulsive behavior which interferes with normal living and causes severe stress on family, friends, loved ones, and one's work environment. Well, you could have just filled that little line in instead of internet addiction and put in anything, you know, sure. any, any well, one of the reasons. I have to ask, and I didn't, we covered this a little bit last time, but you said in, or in just a couple sentences ago, you said everyone uh, referring to people that would go undergo this change. And in my experience, not everyone is capable of becoming addicted. Uh, oh, you're absolutely correct. Okay. No question. And actually, if you look at it, um, no one's ever really looked at like all addiction per se. They usually look at specific addictions. Why is that? NA, well, NA, NA, like Narcotics really Anonymous smart. doesn't distinguish. Well, like yeah, addiction really is addiction. Well, yeah, but here's the deal. You know, we have the National Institute of Drug Abuse. We don't have the National Institute of Internet Abuse. We don't have the National Institute of Food Addiction. Um, and so what happens is we have a boatload of information on drugs, um, lots of information on alcohol, because we actually have a National Institute of Alcohol Abuse. But what we what, – what the NIH is trying to move toward, and that's the National Institutes of Health, is a National Institute of – addiction. That's that's what we need. That's what we need instead of all this decentralized stuff, which doesn't seem to make any sense. So that's why it's very difficult to get a real grasp of all addiction because, uh, you know, it's interesting, Brett, a little, you know, sidebar. The only way we can get any science um, funded in things like food addiction and all these other, you know, sex addiction is when we compare it to drugs or alcohol because then we can get the money for it because we're studying drugs and alcohol because that's what those two institutes are about. Is this just, just because – there aren't enough addicts in these institutes to understand? Uh, the, the main thing that happens <clears throat> is that in order to be able to you know, get the right numbers, we, we have to be able to understand two things. One is there are a certain number of people who actually meet criteria, and, and the criteria are fairly you know, strict and straightforward. But Brett, 
the mass majority of people are on launch pads out there. You know, in at Harvard, there's actually this really, really totally cool series of books called Almost Addicted. And then, I mean, in other words, they'll say almost something almost. So it'll be almost sociopathic, almost psychopathic, almost addicted. And the Almost Addicted series is fabulous. And it really looks at true numbers, as best one can wrap their arms around it, of people who are just waiting on the launch pad. And that's the largest majority, the people who don't meet criteria. Um, so it'll only be a major stress or something else. It'll just, you know, tip them over the other edge. How, um, how many, you know, how many functional alcoholics are there out there? <laughs> well, <laughs> like sure. But I don't know. Like for me, like I've been in the rooms where addicts congregate and we've talked extensively, uh, like 12 step programs. Yeah. And I've found that people, people who are like me and, and I identify with the term addict, people who are like me. Uh, I've been addicted to something or other since I was seven years old. Like I can't imagine holding off. I can't imagine they're not being, as soon as you find something that reinforces a behavior, you, you just run with it when you have this personality type defect, illness, whatever. How do you, how do you, how do you almost, how do you, how do you be on a launch pad for that long? It's because those people don't have the intensity and the depth of the changes that took place in you to put you in that place. You know, there's a spectrum for everything, Brett, and you're on one end of the spectrum. And there are plenty of other people who, you know, literally just spread themselves over the rest of the spectrum. And so that's what happens. But, you know, you bring up a really, really, really interesting point, though. Look at the age at which you felt all of this. You know, you said you were young. Um, what's really interesting is, you know, clearly there is probably genetic hardwiring you were born with. There's no question. But remember how I talked about epigenetics, um, in our last, you know, uh, podcast and quickly all that is, is just the ability, um, for, uh, environment and choices, um, you know, everything from how you eat, exercise, uh, what you choose to read, what you choose to do digitally, et cetera, how all of that influences um, gene expression. So you may be born with a specific gene, but you either clamp it down or um, enhance it by whatever choices you make and what happens in the environment. So there you have it. But what's really fascinating, Brett, and this is something I didn't discuss last time because um, what's interesting about digital addiction is why it is so very, very, very common and more common among adolescents than any other demographic group. Um, And the young people in adolescence, what's going on with that? And as it turns out, we now understand with a really there's a fantastic I think I sent you a big resource yeah. that's just a piece of the bibliography that we put together um, of research that's going on out there and this is what we found when you're an adolescent you're exquisitely vulnerable to addiction um, is that like the every, the forming of the brain the thing that makes teenagers stupid to begin with well I don't know about the word stupid um, there are some very choice. Uh, decisions being made out there, you know, hey, let's bungee jump off, I don't know, the Bay Bridge. Um, so the what, what's going on is very interesting. I'm going to just drill it down real simply. Remember dopamine is the pleasure and reward neurotransmitter. It's a brain chemical that gets secreted by the reward center. Um, when, a, when a young brain is being formed, What's happening is that the smarty pants part of the brain, the one that reins you in, it says, what, bunching, jumping off the baby? What, are you crazy or something? Okay, that part is the prefrontal cortex. Tap your forehead, it's right behind there, okay? Now, that helps you rein in impulsivity and it allows you to be able to make appropriate decisions based upon you know, um, strategy, organization, planning, et cetera. So it's the CEO of the brain. When it's developing in young people, the dopamine that sits normally in the reward center migrates toward the front of the brain to the prefrontal cortex to actually facilitate its growth and development. So the good news is you're getting a nice little prefrontal cortex out of this. I was just thinking that sounds like a good idea. 
Yeah, man. But the bad <laughs> news is you just left the reward center with like, you know, three molecules of dopamine. So what that does is it leaves the that young brain seeking um, reward and pleasure and trying to amp up reward and pleasure because it's not getting it normally. It doesn't have enough dopamine. There's this vulnerable period where that dopamine is not in the normal level in the reward center. And in vulnerable brains, for instance, like yours, which were already teed up to be more vulnerable because of genetics and epigenetics both, then what normally happens is you get higher risk-taking going on. You want higher, higher. You want to be able to, you know, get max feelings of reward and pleasure because, damn it, you're not getting it normally. You want more and more and more and more. And there's no period at the end of the sentence. And this leaves you um, very, very vulnerable. Now, here's the joke with that. The more you do the risk-taking, the more you're more uh, you're, you're uh, liable to be exposed to things like drugs, alcohol, internet, all of these other things that then hijack the reward center and and take it to as high a level as it possibly can so that you're getting that very high sense of wow and and pleasure and reward that you wouldn't that normally as an adult you wouldn't need to have to look for. So it's a it's a downward spiral of sorts. Exactly. It's a vicious cycle that just starts it right up. Top that now, Brett, with the fact that we now have amazing new research that actually shows that gray matter of the brain, which is very, very important, you know, it develops from the back of the brain forward. You actually have really cool-looking PET scans um, and spec scans of this. And what happens is white matter and gray matter are integral to integrated thought. Whenever you have something like digital addiction, let alone all the other addictions, but we found this is you know really remarkable in digital addiction, you actually have less white matter, less gray matter noted in those people who meet criteria for internet addiction or digital addiction. Uh, Pretty wild. Could you say that addiction in general? Addiction in general, but um, I think they were shocked to find it in internet addiction because I think a lot of people were in the beginning saying, oh, come on, you know, get over it. You can't possibly be, you know, addicted to a flipping screen. Um, only to find out, you know, they had an OMG moment. I was like, wait a minute. The PET scans functional MRI, all the fancy tools that we use were showing um, the abnormalities in white and gray matter, as well as um, in those dopamine receptors in the reward center that actually are decreased in number, which we only find, Brett, in addiction all across the board. So now internet addiction or digital addiction can now join the hallowed halls of all addiction, as you very appropriately pointed out earlier. So, okay, I, I just found uh, the kind of white paper on this. What do you call it? A journal article? Uh, oh, abnormal no. white matter integrity in adolescents with internet addiction disorder, a track-based exactly. spatial statistics study. Um, yeah. Does this mean that the people who are predisposed to this kind of behavior, are their, their brains are not as smart? You know, you can't use the word smart in I, this case. I can, but you can what correct they, me. <laughs> I'm going to correct you right now, Brett. Give you a smackdown. No, um, you, what you can say is that they're not operating optimally, and that's not code for you're not smart. What I'm saying is you're not operating optimally. That'd be like saying, let's just take um, a, someone who has great potential as a track and field star. But what I did was I just took both of their legs and I taped them together. They're not stupid. They're not bad track stars. They're impaired. So they're held they're back. Not crippled. They're just, yeah, okay. They're um, held back. They're held back. And what we do. You know, in treatment centers, for instance, with this, and uh, as we're looking at it, um, what we actually do is we uh, help the adolescents to uh, be able to optimally perform in their prefrontal cortex. As I told you before, 
the dopamine migrated to help facilitate this, starting up a little problem in vulnerable brains because now they wanted to have high risk taking to be able to get that awe and pleasure because they didn't have enough dopamine to give it to them. Okay, that's the that's the wild scenario. Here's another piece of it. Once the addictive process starts, it damages and impairs the prefrontal cortex. So you just shot yourself in the foot. And so now you've got to get it back to be able to make the right decisions. The CEO of the brain has to be working optimally. And so the first thing you do is you go through a detox and you've got to be able to, you know, come off the technology um, in a way that, you know, it's obviously a very carefully um, guided um, sequence of events and therapy. You know, I don't know if you know this, but (laughs) there's like two big centers now. One is the Center for Internet and Technology Addiction, and the other one's called Net Addiction, the Center for Internet Addiction. Um, and they actually redundant. have, yeah, I know, seriously. <laughs> and they actually totally, well, you know, it's like, it's, what can I say? I mean, they're all trying to get in the <laughs> act here. They're all trying to do this stuff out there and, and help you out. But um, I think I sent you a link to a series that uh, was appearing on NBC. And on that series was that uh, it was um, called The Secret Life of Teens. Yeah, got that. And Maria Shriver, you know, is doing this. It's it, Actually, it's still going on, I believe. And they also noted an in-residence place. I think it's just about the only one in the country. It's called, I love it, Restart. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost like Reboot. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's up in, in uh, the state of Washington and they really, they took a kid, you know, who was profiled in this uh, series and put him through that because he showed all the hallmarks, craving more time on the computer and internet, neglecting family and friends, feeling restless when not engaged in the internet activity, computer use interfering with school performance, being dishonest with others, withdrawing from other pleasurable activities, basically imploding I mean, this one kid dropped 30 pounds. He was a very, very smart kid, a master musician and a pianist. And, um, you know, he ended up uh, being in terrible shape. And he was put in residence and was able to, you know, uh, as it were, detox and and, uh, go through his recovery. I just find this to be the beginning of a phenomenon out there, Brett. So what... Like normally, detox is a chance to get chemicals out of your system so that you can begin functioning without them is is internet detox something like what what is uh, what is the brain process that makes that necessary because it seems like to detox from the internet you just turn it off and go on with life well yeah but what that that the tantamount to saying well if you want to get off alcohol you just you know throw the bottle out get over right. it already. yeah and i get that that's not a uh it, can't do that. I mean, it's like really hard because what's happening is your entire prefrontal cortex in your reward center is um, now interwoven with this entire activity. You have organic changes that have actually taken place in both structures of the brain. And in an adolescent, you top that with the changes in the gray and white matter, you have yourself a real cluster. And so what you have to do then is is you've got to very carefully, um, you know, get weaned off and, and basically come clean. And one of the things that uh, very careful, very you know, careful therapists do is they make certain to start doing immediate substitutions. If you're not going to do X, you're going to do Y, because you can't just sit there and stare at the wall. You've got to be able to do something else. At the same time, you're learning how to be able to get back to more productive. Uh, behaviors. And and this is tough. You're sure. going through withdrawal. You are going through withdrawal. And you, you go through all the hallmarks of addiction, tolerance. You need more and more and more of it. It wasn't just that one video game. You know, man, you're at it 24-7. Um, and it goes on and on. You know, I, I read a great article um, uh, about three months ago that in um, 
I think it was South Korea, um, one of those two Koreas, but I think it was South Korea. Um, they were allowing men who had bona fide um, sort of criteria met uh, video game addiction um, out of serving in the military because they were so screwed up. <laughs> you know, I had to read this thing twice going, come on, you know, someone's pulling my leg. Around it here, was, they just give them drones. Dude, totally with the drones. <laughs> You know, I mean, geez, what's going on here? So is there there any kind of physical symptom like with this technology withdrawal? Do they exhibit the kind of um, like no sleep, uh, skin crawling, just that like intense desire? Yeah. I mean, obviously all withdrawal at its very, very basis um, is just about the same. There is um, a, a heightened amount of hypervigilance. You know, you're looking for your fix and it isn't showing, right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're showing irritability, impatience, and you still have impulsivity in you. So it's the three eyes. You know, it's that's why I always joked. I think somebody once invited me onto um, a cruise uh, for people who just gotten off cigarettes. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's not happening, honey. I just, so, you know, talk about an entire boat filled with people who are irritable and impatient and impulsive and screaming at each other. Yeah, so, yeah. I think I'll just sort of stay home. Um, uh, do these? No, but you do. You do have those physical symptoms, um, Brett. You do really, these people- really do. Do these people in tech rehab, like, uh, do they leave and stand on the corner watching for someone with a mobile phone that they can just, like, borrow for 10 minutes? Oh, totally. What what is (laughs) – okay, so, I mean, we understand – we don't understand, but we've talked about the behaviors. Uh, Like, what are the symptoms and what what is it you have to cut out? Because you can't function today without some technology. Of course. How do you moderate – what what do you moderate? Well, I was laughing. Um, you have to go to this website. Um, it's Net Addiction, um, the Center for Internet Addiction, and um, one of the things they do is you know this uh, this expert, um, some PhD type or something, um, says yes, and I conduct sessions using Skype. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> well, that's what I'm Whoa, Wait a minute now. <laughs> what what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> I love it. I, you know, I was thinking right underneath it. She says, and if that doesn't work, FaceTime. It's so cool. Um, or how about a nice Google Hangout? Or, and then you can see her sort of spinning out of control. I, I had a laugh so hard when I read that. I thought, lady, you got to read your own homepage. Something's weird here. Um, so, you know, it's very much like food. You know, you got to live with food. You got to live with technology. Sure. Yeah, I hate to break your heart, but you know, cocaine not so much, right? You know, but well, you and when live you, with it. When you're getting off of cocaine, a lot of people substitute. Well, after the methadone, they substitute uh, Oreo cookies. They substitute smoking. They substitute all kinds of negative behaviors. Right. Do when when you go through like a decent rehab, they'll try to substitute things like exercise, and yeah. and like get you addicted to getting into shape. And some people actually get very unhealthy doing that. But what are the what what are the typical replacements for technology? I mean, looking at it like you look at food, like uh, maybe you sure. substitute the ho-hos for uh portioned carrots. Actually, carrots are supposed to be bad for you now. Um no, but you know what I mean? Ah, uh, don't listen to those idiots. I don't listen um, to anybody when it comes fine. to food. I mean, when's the last time someone walked around with carrot addiction? I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, it's more of the red stuff, the orange stuff. You know, it's no. Um, I don't see anybody going into the corner and doing carrots um, it, because it's a whole different process in the brain. No, what I'm, what your point is, is this. I sent you an, uh, a link to the New York Times piece that came out um, a week ago in the well section. Yep. Um, and it was called off the off the drugs onto the cupcakes and it actually highlighted my work um which is you know the cross addictions from when you're getting off uh you know whatever addiction um and some of the cross addictions that are lurking waiting for you especially sugar refined sugar as i told you before is more um is equal to if not more um addictive than cocaine um or morphine 
So, you know, this, we, this is stuff you got to take seriously. So to your point, what do you do with digital technology? Well, one of the first things people learn, and this was actually borne out very nicely in this um, uh, piece that Mar- Maria Shriver did in The Secret Lives of uh, Teens, which I would highly recommend everyone look. I mean, there's a, a nice link to the uh, video as well as the um, the script that went along with it. And um, the first thing that, you know, this child learned who whose life had completely to hell. He was getting Fs and his and he's a very smart kid, but he wasn't going to school, you know, to college, his first year in college. He was staying in his dorm room the entire day, uh, twenty four seven doing the games, lost thirty pounds, wasn't eating appropriately, no exercise. He some days all he ate because he was so intense on this, I think he mentioned in there was like two cookies. That's all he ate for twenty four hours. Um that that's that's a fairly severe form of this and that's what addiction does. So what do you do with something like that? Um, one of the first things you need to do is you start, you know, uh, giving them absolute rules. In the beginning, they got to go clean, and then you start building um, a structured way of using specific technology f- um, with limits and boundaries. With you know, with, you know what it is? It's digital technology with portion control. That sounds. It is. It sounds nearly impossible. Uh, but it, it, you can do it. You can do it. You can time it. Um, you can be, you have to be so aware, but you have to be hyper vigilant and have hyper, uh, like you have to, you have to have willpower that a lot of us who would be susceptible to this just don't have. Well, I understand that. But one, one of the things that happens in that CEO of the brain, our little friend, the prefrontal cortex is mindfulness. And one of the things that really helps these kids and everybody is little Mr. M meditation. Now, when I say meditation, no, you don't join ashrams and I'm not asking you to, you know, don garbs, you know, robes and stuff. I'm simply saying tap into a very, very, very valuable level of mindfulness. And that will bring you back to the present. You know, smarty pants like you who are intellectual, digital, into it, you're also nonlinear. I could put money on it. Oh, absolutely. Meaning you, you can go for hours. You don't even know what the hell day it is. Oh, look, it's dark out. You know, really? <laughs> yes. You know, and, and that's what you do. Hey, you know, I'm right there with you. I'm completely non, I'm like a mad scientist. Um, and when I was, you know, doing my full-time lab work at the National Institutes of Health, uh, it, literally my, my window in my laboratory looked out onto a brick wall. Really exciting, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and I, I saw like little string of light, <laughs> little rays of light, and then they disappeared. I had no idea what time it was. I never kept a clock in there. And the only thing I ever knew in there was how long my experiments took because we had timers. Sure. I didn't care otherwise. You I don't care less. The criteria for me though, huh? like the criteria for me, if I'm going to lose track of time like that, like it's not just being on the internet. I have to be creating. If I start creating, I think that's an addiction of mine. You know, like now in my post-drug years, I think that the, the thrill I get from making something work, making something new, that makes me disappear and lose 30 pounds and not know what day it is. Yeah, it's the mad scientist thing. Yeah. And you know something? All creative people, I mean, you, you get these pictures in your back of your mind of Mozart, you know, hanging around in his jammies and, you know, with a long beard. And, and, and this is actually true. I mean, he would just go on for days, didn't eat. You know, he was cranking out his music and Beethoven did the same thing. Um, and, you know, the creative mind um, is a really interesting place because people who are creative – um, who have a higher level of transcendence in their creativity also can be mindful of their self-care. You know, a beautiful example of that was Georgia O'Keeffe. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you should read her. You know, there's a million bios on her. And what what she would do is, you know, I mean, look at the incredible stuff she created, right? But she also at the same time honored walking. She took care of, you know, she always went out. She made sure to get a couple of beautiful dogs. Um, if you went to Ghost Ranch, you can see, you know, beautiful pictures of her and the dogs. And, and, and she honored her body and her mind by just going out and taking that walk. She ate very simply. 
Um, my God, she lived to be almost a hundred. Um, and and she just had certain little rules that she knew that her creativity would actually be augmented if there was just the smallest basic level of self care and self attentiveness. And and so it's out there. There's a there's a great Harvard um, author who wrote. Um, uh, the creative mind, and I'm trying to remember her name. It'll come to me. Um, and the mind and creativity, and uh, you know, I'll I'll make sure to give you that reference because I really think it would help you um, to understand that there could be a balance. You know, I I suffered from the same thing for years, Brett, um, until I realized that you know if I just put on a few little you know breaks, it's it's a joke around my house, and that is I think there are 300 clocks. Because I'm so nonlinear that everywhere I go, I just have to make sure I understand what time it is. And it's a cute little thing. Other people don't need that. I need a lot of clocks, but they work for me. And they they help remind me that I do have other things in my life. <laughs> now, that being said, I fully also embrace the fact that when I'm doing my creative thing, you know, which is writing, I'm a writer, right? So that's my artistry. Um, that when I'm doing something like that, I fully understand that I don't want anyone breaking my zone, get out of my face, right? right. I got to write this thing. It's spewing forth. It's like verbal vomit, man. It's just coming, right? And in true to form, eight hours may go by. But do you know what I do? Um, many times what I'll do is I'll, I'll keep on my desk something to drink and maybe a little something to eat that doesn't require refrigeration. So at least I get something. It could be just, you know, um, a Ziploc of almonds that I keep next to some, you know, uh, uh, coconut water. Um, you know, I've been making shakes. That's it. Shakes oh, yeah, are man. easy. Well, I don't have to stop and eat. I can just sip them. Well, it's the best. And then you put it in a thermos. And then it's always cold for you, um, and that works like a charm. So you see, you can adapt and adjust to your creativity without also, you know, having to go to the dark place and do complete self abandonment. Have you seen Soylent? Not Soylent Green, oh, but Soylent. God, yeah. Oh no, I, I saw Soylent Green. No, yeah. there's a there's a it's a new like food. That oh yeah yeah yeah. It was on I the Colbert Report and whatnot. No. <laughs> No, I actually ordered some of this. It has not shown up yet. It's been like six months, but um, it seemed oh like such a good idea. Do you know anything about it? You know, um, I looked it up once, and um, let me... It's uh, Soylent.me if you're at a computer. Soylent, yeah. Oh, here it is, Soylent Drink? Yeah. Yeah, things like that. Okay, let me eyeball this. And so open source nutritional drink creator software engineer. No, that doesn't. Um, oh. Is that the right person? I honestly don't know. I'm going to send you a link right now. Okay, cool. And it's product an inside joke based on Harry Harrison's um something else. Oh, here it is. Okay. Okay, here's the link. Let me look at it now. Don't you just love computers? Okay, there it is. Someone's drinking some Really nasty looking stuff. It does look nasty. And what if you never had to worry about food again? Select your supply, 28 bags, give us your money, and we're not going to tell you what goes into it. <laughs> I hate websites like this. <laughs> there is actually a full ingredient list. Uh, uh, I'm playing with you. Um, and so, but it, it's not obvious on the, on the, uh, on the thing. No, so me- but, but the, uh, the, the tagline... What if you never had to think about food again? I I love it's it. It's the best. Cuz because I mean, when I'm when I'm in those zones and I forget the time, I forget to eat and then I get to a point where I'm too tired to eat and then it just becomes a downward spiral from there. Like yeah. the idea of bothering to choose something becomes um too much trouble. I really get that. And I hear that all the time. You know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, this thing Soylent and the rest of I now remember what it was. Um, you know, what they're doing is they're taking all the superfoods and they're slapping them together and augmenting it with vitamins and minerals. I mean, it's it's not particularly unique here, okay? Um, but it's, you know, for people who say, oh, dear God, I literally do not want to spend two seconds thinking about what I'm going to eat, how I'm going to eat. 
you know, who I'm eating with. Uh, I, I just don't. I, I'm, I'm just so into all the other things in my life. And this also applies to people who don't get either a lot of enjoyment out of food preparation um, and hanging out in the kitchen and the whole, you know, central experience. Also, there's another group of people who are food phobic. Meaning that food was always their enemy because it made them fat. It was they had a terrible relationship with food. Like so these are eating why, disorders, or well, you know, it, it's a actually broader just, category. I think that's the extreme form. Are the eating disorders okay? What you that's the extreme form, and those are criteria met. You know, uh, disorders. I think most people have uh, chaotic eating. We have free fall and freestyle out there. So, you know, sitting down in one place and, and at a table where you're actually, God forbid, talking to other people I hate doing um, that. and sharing and doing that whole ritual, forget it. It's not happening. People are just sort of free-falling. You know, whatever happens, it's grab-and-go, dashboard dining, it's whatever it is. It is what it is. And it's also 24-7. There's no end to it. So the same thing, you know, um, when you're looking at, uh, you know, this, this Soylent, you know, product or anything like that. There are a lot of people who just literally do not get any enjoyment, for that matter, even torment and and, and trauma out of dealing with food. And the simpler, the better. That's why, by the way, years ago, when those um, meal replacement shakes yeah. first showed up, you know, OptiFast and all those yep. guys, oh my God, they made a flip, flipping fortune because you now just answered all my you know, my, my prayers, you not only gave me something that I just slap in a, you know, whatever, uh, a glass, mix it up with water or skim milk or something and, um, drink it and pray to God, I don't get hungry. And then I could just go about my day and forget food. Did those lose popularity because they didn't work? Well, part of the issue with those is, um, they, they were not made with, with any level of high quality ingredients. I mean, basically it was just hypocaloric. And number two, um, people can't live on that after a while. They actually have to do something radical like chew, you know? (laughs) You know, it's, it's that whole, where's the crunchy thing? So you can, you can turn yourself into a science fair project for a, for a short term period of time. But at some point you're going to say, wow, I wonder what it's like to chew. Um, and then your jaws atrophied and you can't do anything. Oh, stop. I have know. to take a sponsor break. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring our first sponsor in and then, uh, and then we'll get back to tech addiction of for course. a little bit. Um, all right. So our first sponsor today is MailChimp.com, easy email newsletters. MailChimp helps you design newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate with services you already use, and track your results. It's like your own personal publishing platform. Oh, that was alliteration. Uh, alliteration, and I don't have a pop filter on this mic yet oh uh, my god and the alliterations just kill you <laughs> so they help you customize your sign up form to match your brand so you can share it on your website and integrate it into your facebook page you can even collect signups from an ipad or a laptop and importing an existing list into mailchimp is a snap no matter what format it's in you can also personalize everything your, your subscribers see including sign up forms and confirmation emails and there's never been a better time to try mailchimp with the Entrepreneur Plan, if you have under 2,000 subscribers, you can send 12,000 emails per month forever. Just visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. All right. Well, let's see. We're at about 40 minutes. Do you want to start on the top three picks? Are, yeah. Are yours related to this topic? So we'll, sure. we'll have more discussion I mean, anyway. Well, you know, I mean, they're digital. So what can I say? <laughs> All right. You know. Well, let's, let's do it. Uh, you tell me your first pick and we'll see where it goes. Okay. Well, speaking of all things digital, um, one of the things that, that I love and it's staring at me right now and it's, it's rip roaring red is the, the Logitech ultra thin keyboard folio for the iPad air. This is just the best. Um, I use it absolutely all the time. The battery life is impressive. 
convenient. I think it's forever. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just awesome. And wherever I go, people literally just tap me on the shoulder and say, go for it. What is this thing? Because what I do is I put my iPad in here and then I open it up and you've got this fabulous keyboard. And by the way, the one I really like is the black one. Don't get the one with the soft keys because that's kind of, I don't oh, know. I totally but, agree. I, I hate soft keys. I totally keys irritate it. You know, have you ever, you know, tried it? It's sort of like you were like pushing down a mush, I mean, on uh, marshmallows. It's like your and keyboard rotted. Yeah, I, you. It was like, ew. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I really, that's exactly what I thought. I thought the keyboard had rotted. Um, no, but I like the black one. And I'm going to have to, you know, give a sh- major shout out to my husband, Mark, um, who turned me on to this. Mark is all things totally IT. And when he turned me on to this, I just, you know, I got my hands. He said, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because what this is, is almost a mini computer. You know, I can access Dropbox. I can get right into my computer anytime I want to, right off my iPad. Um, Mark basically, you know, got it all um, rocking and rolling with all the right, um, you know, applications and software. So, um, this is literally my new best friend. So everyone, the ultra thin keyboard folio for iPad Air um, from Logitech, killer, totally killer. Have you ever seen any of the uh, the newer keyboards? I think Logitech makes one that can switch between Bluetooth devices. Yeah, I heard about them. I don't have it yet, though. No, I mean, I have you have you tried it? Have you baited? I actually, I have a third party device that does it for me with a regular USB keyboard, but. Really, but they're the ones that look basically like an iPad keyboard, but they hold either your iPhone or your iPad, or you can connect it to your laptop. That mm-hmm. seems like uh, potentially very useful to me, rather than buying a keyboard for each device. Or, I mean, who really buys a keyboard for their phone anyway? But now you could have one. Eh. The, well, yeah, I, I actually I, I, know I own the first uh, first gen of the ultra thin keyboard from Logitech for the iPad One. Uh, which is not very valuable anymore, but it does have those nice hard keys and a nice Apple configuration, and I like it a lot. Cool. Well, I'm living on mine. Um, And don't you touch it or take it away is all I can say. Um, All right. So uh, my second one is... No, 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 no. No, I go second. It's a round robin. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I forgive you. I screwed up. No. No, I just I wasn't clear from the beginning. So, um, my first pick is is software. It is um, an app for Mac called Highlights, and what it does. Let me make sure I, I get all the details here. Let's see. Uh, it takes an annotated PDF, so one that you've put like highlights and notes into, and it lets you view simultaneously all of those notes as a markdown document. And wow. it will sync the two. So if you add notes in the Markdown document, it will update the notes in your PDF. And uh, it can output to HTML. It can output uh, additional uh, PDF. Like you can add annotations and save them in highlights. And uh, and it let's see, it, it'll even write metadata uh, PDF attributes to your Markdown file as multi-Markdown headers and vice versa. It's uh, it's for someone who does a lot of research or even editing um, other people's work. It's a pretty cool app if you work with PDFs at all. Oh, my God. I live in PDFs. Well, there Completely you go. It, I don't know if you live in Markdown or not, but if you did. I'm about ready to. You should. <laughs> you should. I have lots of lots of things to give you if you get into Markdown. Wow. Mark's totally in Markdown. Cool. I know Mark does Markdown all the time. <laughs> Mark is a Markdown. <laughs> he'll, he'll win you over eventually. He's shaking his head. He's saying no. He's sitting there with five O, and the five O is our is our uh, pure black, purebred um, Serbian German Shepherd, and five O stands for cop, which is yes. Mark was from law enforcement, and so we have five O. Is he is he uh, like Shih Tzu trained? He's actually not Shitson. He's, um, you know, he's he's definitely trained though, all the way up in protection. Have you and, seen uh, Have you seen the videos that have been coming out lately of police dogs that were trained using positive reinforcement techniques? No, these tell dogs me are amazing. There's one where the dog, it was actually trained for the army, and this soldier comes out, and the dog pops between his legs with his head pointing out, and the soldier goes into maneuvers. 
and the dog remains between his legs like perfect heel, shoulder to knee the entire time as the guy's running and, and ducking and like taking aim. And then he can give with a single hand signal, like a silent one, the dog will come around to the front and kneel, uh, heel at his side. And it was all done using clicker training. And the, it's amazing. These dogs love, wow. love their jobs if they don't get beat into doing it. Well, it's in their DNA. Um, these are service dogs. And um, they literally are, are born and bred to do one thing, serve. They cannot wait for the next command. They live by command. Well, yeah, um, working they, dogs they in general. Like they, It sounds to us like when we look at them, we think, wow, that was that must have been really hard to train that you know, uh, that sheepdog to herd, but it is, it's totally ingrained. And all you have to do is encourage their innate behaviors. You can see some amazing stuff. I know it's, it's, it's amazing. I've got to scope that out. Um, because I mean, again, um, the dogs that are basically used for this, as you're well aware now, are German Shepherds um, and Belgian Malois um, because, uh, one, uh, they have, they're extremely smart um, and they love to learn and they love to serve, you know, their alpha, whoever that is. Number two, bet you didn't know this, bet you didn't know. Um, humans have about 4 million uh, nasal receptors. Um, a German Shepherd has 225 million. Um, and the same thing with the Malois. Um, and therefore, their ability to be able to do something that's really interesting. The only dog that has more nasal receptors is a bloodhound. But the bloodhound downer on that one is that the bloodhound has to smell it from the ground or from leaves or, you know, something. The German Shepherd um, is an air smeller. So um, he can actually pick up scent from a zillion miles away just from the air. He doesn't have to depend upon sticking his nose down on the ground as the bloodhound does. And the bloodhound only outs him by about 5 million. I think he's 230 you know, million instead of 225. Um, but they're, they're pretty amazing that way. Did you, you know? know I have a it, German Shepherd? Oh, you do not. Stop it. What, what kind? A sable? The what? sable color? Yeah. Uh, light cool. face. He's, he was big and gangly as a pup and now he's just gorgeous. Oh, and he what's his name? really smart chance. Oh, cause we weren't sure we wanted him when he came into the rescue and, uh, we decided to take a chance on him and oh. he turned out to be just an amazing dog. He is super smart. And aren't they kind of like healing dogs too? You know, when you're kind of feeling funky, having one of them around really helps a lot. I would, I would know? attribute that more to my pit bull. She is very empathetic. Really? She, when she sees me down, she'll just come and she'll put her head on my lap and then slowly start like air licking until she gets up to my face and makes me smile. Um, Chance is more, uh, he's just always alert. He's more of a, he's more of a cop than he is a lover. But I appreciate that about him. So Chance is more of a cop and, and the pit bull is more like a little, you know, empathetic lovey. Yeah. Um interesting, interesting. Um could also be the the gender too. Um but yeah. on the other hand, I don't know, female German shepherds, oh, they got bad attitude. So they can <laughs> they can actually like Cujo had I honestly think that was probably a female dog. Oh, it's got to be. Got to be. <laughs> oh my god. You know, it's like what's up with that? <laughs> All right. So what's your uh, what's your second pick? I give you my second one is you know I'm a road warrior. You know, every time you try to email me, I'm like somewhere, yes. right? Um I'm hitting the road, uh doing my thing. And so I found the coolest, coolest um app and it's called Tripcase, T-R-I-P-C-A-S-E. And um this in the actual website is travel.tripcase.com. And you know, uh my travel agent. Uh, turn me on to this one um, because, uh, you know, sometimes my travel was insane. And, and whose isn't these days, especially? This thing does everything but deliver babies. It is the best. It will give you every, you know, he downloads every single piece of information, every data point that has to do with the trip itself, 
everything, contact information, you just fill it up. Um, and it is fabulous. You've got wonderful support. If we've ever had a question, the support is always there. And I have found that, you know, um, when I'm running around like a Looney Tune um, and there's trip delays, this and that, it tells you within nanoseconds when that plane is going to be late. I don't know how in the heck it does this, but it will also tell if there's a gate change, everything. You could download your boarding passes, um, any information about that you need for passport, just goes on and on. Um, and so uh, it, it's linked up with Uber, which is amazing. Um, it's, it basically has a lot of cross links that are incredibly helpful if you're moving around and doing your thing. So no matter what kind of travel you do, I found Tripcase to be absolutely um, one of the best buddies for me on the road um, when I sometimes, you know, can't access what I need, especially in time of, uh, of crisis. It just stays right there with me. This is perfect. I, uh, for a long time, I used an app, and I can't remember the name of it. It was uh, like Flight Control, except for Flight Control is a game, and I can't remember what this one was called, but... It did like the gate change thing and it would uh, tell you about delays, but you had to go into it. It didn't. This was prior to push notification on the phone. Oh, that's true. And yeah. They, they updated a little bit once in a while and they added integration with like Trip Advisor. I don't even, some site that my job was using to book our itineraries and then that would just download it into the SAP. And that was cool. But well, you know, the ones that are out there are like Flight Track, Flight Aware. Flight view, flight everything. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. And and those are real special and everything. Tripcase <laughs> will just immediately push it right to you. And it's a really cool icon. It looks like a little um case, like a briefcase. It's and cute. Why is it free? Are there in app purchases or subscription? Oh yeah, if you want to. But oh you can use it for free, is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Huh. That looks really very cool. Very cool. And yeah, I do I love Uber. Cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you see, what it's done is it went ahead and cross-pollinated with all of these other companies, and that's how it monetizes quite nicely, sure. I'm sure. So that's mine. That's Tripcase. Awesome. That I, I just downloaded. Um, very cool. All right. So my second pick, I I have apple trees, and we always end up with more apples than we know what to do with, and a lot of them get thrown out. So this year I said we're making cider because that's a good way to use up a lot of apples. Um, so I had to go and get a fruit press and I ended up with the Weston fruit and wine press, which is it's cool. about 200, 260 bucks on Amazon. And I, Whoa. I'm not convinced it was, I'm not convinced it's the best one out there. Um, so I'd be curious to hear if anyone has tried others, um, you just feel free to contact me through the contact page. And uh, I will say, though, that once I get this thing assembled and all figured out, I have made three, two, I've made two full gallons of cider in the last two days just pressing in my free time. And that's about, oh, I don't even know how many barrels of apples that was, but it was a lot because you have to crush them and then press them. And I would recommend getting the, uh, fruit hopper accessory that will crush your apples for you. I didn't get that. I've been putting them in buckets and then smashing them with a sterile sledgehammer. Uh, oh, nice. Like, like <laughs> pop, pumping it up and down in the barrel until everything's crushed. And then I dump it in and that is nasty on my back. It feels like I just shoveled 30 inches of snow off the driveway. Um, you sort of did. Yeah, it, it's 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 a workout, and then I go I go on YouTube, and there are these people just putting this like crank attachment on top of it that you dump a bucket of apples into, and then crank it, and they just come out crushed in about thirty seconds. And I'm like, ah, I probably should have invested in that. Yeah, maybe we should order that immediately. It's another two hundred twenty-five dollars <laughs> though. So oh, ow, ow, oh, to, no. to make what like fifty bottles of cider it. Yeah, you have to amortize it over time. You have to say, <laughs> hmm, you know. Well, <laughs> and these how much trees are you selling those bottles? Yeah, how much are you selling that stuff for? I will be giving <laughs> it away. I will be throwing parties just to make people drink it. Because hey, I used to make cider I, in college. Like, it was my way of getting really? cheap beer. We would just go no buy kidding. apple cider at the orchard during apple season. 
and then dump it into carboys. Uh, we would do a little cooking and then dump it into carboys, pitch some yeast, and then just let it sit for a couple. I think, I think it was about one month cycles, and we had three five gallon carboys going. So pretty much, I was drunk on hard cider for like three years straight, and just wow. always kept it in rotation. I always, I was That's always amazing. the guy at the party with the gallon of cider, and. It's not that I want to relive those days, but I do miss cider. It was really good. I love it. I love it. What a great, great product. I'll have to scope that out. All right. So what's your number three? Number three, honey, it's beets. B-E-A-T-S. And I got two things cooking with this one. I got the app, beets, and everyone knows the beets that was just purchased by Apple and then at the same time, I have the Power Beats 2 wireless headset. Killer. Absolutely killer. So when I'm out there doing my thing, walking 5-0, hanging out, working out at the you know gym, um, I just found this headset to be worth every single penny because um, the quality is phenomenal. Needless to say, if you go to the Beats application, it's killer. Because what you find there is that they customize it over time. You just keep choosing, and it keeps customizing, suggesting customizing. And, of course, you have your own library. So I've got, you know, um, the home. I have um, my playlist, my library. Um, so I'm able to continuously edit the thing. If, if I kind of get tired of a song after a while and maybe I don't even like it anymore, um, I could just eliminate it, just delete the thing, and just continuously augment, recategorize, move things around and what's wonderful is every time i turn it on it gives me more and more and more it's almost like it's just sitting there waiting for me um to be able to you know augment and expand my entire library um and my playlist and and re reorganize the playlist it's it's awesome and, and again the headsets are cool um they're very comfortable easy they're kind of cool looking if you've seen you know the color of the app is like a black with a red yeah. It looks very cool. Um, so the charger is is a red cord with a black end. Um, it's got a really neat um, small uh, carrying case um, because, you know, I'm always slopping things everywhere when I'm traveling. You know, I just found that the cord that goes that attaches to the earpieces um, that comes right around your neck, it's really thin. Um, and it's uh, sort of a flat, thin red. And what I really like about it, too, is it's red. You know how many things in my briefcase are black? I mean, my old headset was completely black. I couldn't find it half the time. I'm like scooping in there and trying to find it. And, you know, it's just a pain in the ass. But even if I forgot to put these into my my little um, uh, carrying case thing, um, I can always find them because they're red. So I thought the whole <laughs> the whole thing was easy. So it's got the little plug in, you know, the USB to the to the uh, computer and I can put it in anywhere um, to recharge. It keeps the charge beautifully and I get high quality uh, sound. So, hey, I'm happy. Awesome. I've, I've never used a Beats headset, um, but I assume they're pretty decent since someone they're just awesome. spent billions of dollars on them. Um, well, you know, it's not that funky one with the big, the one that looks like a Bose headphone. This one is just the earpieces. They're okay. just like, they look like, it, it's basically meant for sports. Didn't you say Solo 2? So, hmm? Didn't you say Solo 2? Which one is it? Oh, no, this is this is called the Power Beats 2, you know, so it's like squared, oh, okay. Power Beats squared. So there's a little uppercase 2, wireless, okay? And all it has is just the, the, um, the earpieces that go right around your ear, and they fit Found really it. comfortably yeah. inside your ear. It's like a sports one. It's not one of those big guys. I can't stand those because I already have a Bose headphone that I could use, you know, on airplanes and trains to turn off everyone else and be sociopathic like the rest of them. Um, but uh, these are wonderful for just very lightweight, you know, doing sports activities. I run with them. I could do anything I want with them. How long are they comfortable for before your ears start to ache? Oh, you've got those sensitive ear things going, don't you? Yeah, yes. you're a sensitive guy. Well, um, interestingly, I do too. I have very sensitive ears. And I have found that when I wear these, I could wear them easily, you know, a couple hours. Okay. that's uh, And so that's, that's saying good. a lot. 
Because usually, you know, with sensitivity, you pick it up like, you know, with like the the typical Beats headphone thing, that would probably be annoying me after about, you know, a good 45 minutes. Um, but this thing, no, um, because it's like wearing air. Have you it's ever cool. seen uh, the earbuds that Bose makes that have the little wing inside the ear? Yeah, yeah, I've tried that. That's what I'm using now. And I actually find those are probably the ones that I get the farthest with, the like the longest length of time before it starts aching i can wear those for an entire three-hour flight and not not too much discomfort so you wear the internal one well yeah they i mean basically they sit they rest in your ear and then they pivot off of like the fold in your ear right so they're held in place without actually being like a suction cup inside your ear yeah. And it's very soft plastic. They just kind of just barely feel like they're touching you, but they don't fall out when you twist your head real fast. You know, the problem I had with the Bose, you know, um, earbuds um, before was they just didn't fit my ear. Maybe I have smaller ear canals or something, but I mean, I have, those suckers I have were, two different they were flying sizes right out of my ear. I, it took me forever to realize that one of my ears is smaller than the other one. Oh, my right one's smaller than my left. And I, I actually have to use different size headphone cups because of that. And I always thought maybe like every pair of headphones I bought, the right side was defective and just fell out. I got to figure it out now, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, when I got these Beats, um, they have a ton of little earbuds. And so I just mix and match them, nice. you know, to whatever works best in each ear. And that's the only way to go. All right. Well, my third pick is literature. It's uh, it's a book that is, I believe, out of print, and I think that makes it really valuable, although you can buy it for one cent on Amazon, and it's called 101 Elephant Jokes. And oh, my God. I refuse to read any of them to you right now. That's a different podcast entirely, but it is, it's like a threaded book. These jokes, some of them don't make sense without the joke before them. Like, what's the difference between an elephant and a grape? Grapes are purple. What did Jane say when she saw the elephants coming over the hill? Look at all those grapes. She was colorblind. Oh, jeez. Like, oh, this is so bad. Oh, they are horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. And I, 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 at one point in my life, I had this entire book memorized cover to cover. And I, it got me thrown out of parties. Because you can't oh, stop. Once you get going, you can't stop. Yeah, you're on a roll. You're on a roll. And nobody's laughing and everyone's rolling their eyes. And you're just like, if I tell five more, everyone will like me. But it's not true. No, it's never going to happen. Just get over it. (laughs) All right. Well, I got to hit our second sponsor because it's going to take me a second. So this episode is brought to you by SmartThings, the easiest way to create a smart home. SmartThings lets you control your home using your smartphone from anywhere. For 10% off of any home security or solution kit, Visit smartthings.com slash 5 by 5 and use the code 5 by 5 SmartThings is the easiest way to control and automate your home with your smartphone. With SmartThings, you can secure your home for a fraction of the cost of a traditional home security system, stay connected to your family by getting notifications when people come and go, control and automate your lights and small appliances from wherever you are, be notified if there's unexpected entry or movement in your home, and get instant alerts to provide, uh, prevent a small leak from causing a major flood. So if that sounds good, it's just the tip of the iceberg. The really powerful things, thing about SmartThings is that it's an open platform, which means it's compatible with hundreds of devices and there are thousands of things you can do with the product. To discover them, simply download the free SmartThings iOS or Android app. Getting started with SmartThings is a breeze. You just start by picking up one of the three smart home security kits, uh, which are designed to help protect and monitor your home or one of four solution kits, which help you achieve specific goals like automating lights, saving energy, or protecting your home from leaks. In addition to SmartThings' own sensors and outlets, you can add hundreds of other home automation devices from popular companies. Have a smartphone product from GE, I know, how do you say, the lock company, Schlaggy, Schlag, the lock with the S-C-H, Honeywell, or... Schlag. 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 It sounds like Yiddish. (laughs) <laughs> schlep, I slept to the schlep. Um, I slept to the schlog store. <laughs> so Honeywell or Eon, uh, no problem. Just add it to your SmartThings system. 
Uh, if you want to get the latest connected devices like Nest Thermostat, Dropcam, Philips Hue, Wemo, or Sonos, easy. Just add it. One app, limitless possibilities. It's pretty cool. Uh, to get started creating your smart home, visit smartthings.com slash 5 by 5 and then save 10% off the original purchase price of any home security or solution kit by entering the code 5 by 5 at checkout. You'll also get free shipping within the U.S. That's smartthings.com slash 5 by 5 coupon code 5 by 5 So thanks to SmartThings for sponsoring today's podcast. Um, all right, well, we should wrap because we're... We're past an hour. We're, we're not as far past an hour as I thought we were. We can take a relaxed sign off here. You're so funny. <laughs> I try. Um, let's see. So you are on Twitter as Pam Peak MD. That's P-E-E-P-E-E-K-E. Why did I think I said three E's? I'm used to uh, my address, which has three T's in the middle of it. So Pam oh, Peak MD. T's. Yeah, it's B-R-E-T-T-T-E-R-P-S-T-R-A dot com. Um, a, B, S, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And in your case, it is drpeak.com, D-R-P-E-E-K-E. It's the E sound on the P throws me off. Okay. I know. Linguistics. And then the Facebook is uh, Dr. Pam Peak. Let me make sure that's in my notes so I can link it. And then I'm on Instagram. Or, or actually, I'm sorry, LinkedIn. Are all of these things linked from drpeak.com? Uh, I, yes, they are. They better and then be. Pinterest and the Google and all that silliness and YouTube. So, you know, it's all there. All right. Well, I am on Twitter as TT Scoff, and that TT Scoff will find me just about anywhere in the world um, uh, because of technology. And uh, and thank you, Doctor Peak, for being here today and talking I addiction with thrilled. us. Yes, a digital addiction. Put that down and look at me. As, yeah, as, start as, practicing uh, that when you go home. Put as everyone sits and listens to this on their phone in their car. Totally. Um, exactly. Oh my God! There's just no way of getting around this. There really isn't. Um, but yeah. I am uh, looking forward to the next time we talk. See what's new then. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you in a week. Take care.